I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. I have taught piano lessons since 1991, and there's a question that I've gotten through the years, enough that I figure there are many others who haven't voiced the question but are wondering the same thing. The question is some variation of, my child is taking music lessons, what's my role? That's a great question that can make a huge difference in the experience and outcome of music lessons for the child and the parent and the teacher. (laughs) And it's a topic that many of us music teachers, I definitely put myself in this category, have not been very clear about in our communications with parents. And when I say parents, I include all caregivers. I recognize there are plenty of grandparents and others who are actively involved in kids' music lessons in practice time. Our guest today is the perfect person to help bring some clarity to the important role of parents. Suzanne Greer currently serves on the faculty of the McPhail Center for Music in Minneapolis, where she teaches both Suzuki and traditional piano lessons. She received performance degrees from St. Olaf College and the University of Minnesota, as well as the Certificate in Piano Pedagogy from the University of St. Thomas. She was awarded the Robert Schmidt Professional Development Grant from the Minnesota Music Teachers Association, MMTA, and in 2017 was awarded a Top Music Teacher Award by Steinway & Sons. She has served as president of MMTA, the Minneapolis Music Teachers Forum, and the Suzuki Piano Teachers Guild. Currently, she serves as a certification commissioner for the Music Teachers National Association. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. Thank you, Mindy, for inviting me, and it's a pleasure to be here and share a little bit of what I've learned throughout the years and my many years of teaching and and sharing what works and hopefully um, a little bit of what doesn't work. <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> that's how we learn. Yes, yes, true. You have extensive experience teaching both Suzuki method lessons and traditional lessons. For listeners who might not be familiar with Suzuki, can you give a quick description of how the Suzuki method is different from traditional music lessons? Well, there are a few key points in terms of how it differs from traditional lessons in that the parent is very involved in the Suzuki approach. And not only that, but Dr. Suzuki believed that all children could learn music the same way they learn their native language. So therefore, it's up to the parent to provide the listening exposure and the proper environment for learning. So we talk about the Suzuki triangle of the teacher, the parent, and the child, and each has their own responsibility in the role of their music lessons. And in terms of the differences into traditional lessons, often the parent may not attend the lessons. Mm-hmm. And in Suzuki, the parent actually begins lessons in, in many Suzuki programs and in my program as well. The parent comes to lessons first without the child mm-hmm. to begin that process. And then they attend some additional parent education that will enhance their role as a parent in teaching their child at home mm-hmm. because we only get to see the teach as teachers we only get to see the child once per week and sometimes that's only for 30 minutes so mm-hmm. that time at home is so important and that's why we want to give parents the proper tools to 
practice with their child at home and hopefully to provide pleasant, positive and inspirational and motivational practice sessions. Uh Another big difference between the Suzuki method and traditional piano lessons or music lessons, uh, not just piano, is that Suzuki really focuses on listening rather than starting out in the beginning with reading music. Yep. And that is the role of the parent is to play the recordings. So they're learning by ear. So yeah, the Suzuki approach definitely has more of an aural type of an approach and almost like a language immersion type of an approach. My kids went to a language immersion school. And when you're talking about learning music at a young age, the same way we learn a native language, it reminds me of that. Really a different approach and both are very successful. So with Suzuki, parents it's very clear to them what their role is. Suzuki does a great job of involving parents and parents are very clear in what their expectations are from taking lessons themselves and attending all the lessons, actively practicing with the child at home during the week, every day to ongoing parent education with workshops and required reading of books, things like that. Let's talk about traditional music lessons, because that is a whole different animal. And yes, like I said before, a lot of us music teachers aren't real great at communicating expectations to parents. And part of that is because a lot of different parents have different parenting styles and different expectations about how involved they want to be. When we talk about my child is taking piano lessons, what's my role with traditional students, traditional music lessons? What age is child? Are we including teenagers? in this or is this like 12 and under 10 and under I guess it would probably be 10 and under 12 and under in that because those are the the important years the involvement of the parents can be really beneficial and then beyond that I think it's the kids can develop their own motivation Mm -hmm. if they've had that really good foundation okay So for that age group, 12 and under, who are taking traditional music lessons, talk to us a little bit about how you see the parent fitting in, what their role is in terms of their child's music lessons. Well, I've given this a lot of thought, and I think that I'm going to start by saying that the parent needs to have a belief and an understanding. I'm going to call it the big why. Why? Are they enrolling their child in piano lessons, music lessons? Mm. And why is that important? Because it starts there. Music is the biggest gift a parent can give their child. Um, It's one of the things that will last throughout a lifetime. And in comparison to sports, where sports, uh, many sports, can only be played up until we're a certain age. Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, hockey, for example. I mean, lots of kids are involved in hockey here in Minnesota. Yeah. And parents spend quite a bit of money on those that are involved in hockey mm-hmm. or ice skating or something like that. And that can only be done up until a certain age. And I say this from personal experience. My husband played hockey as a as a kid, mm-hmm. and now he has very bad knees and <laughs> doesn't skate anymore. Sure. And so the, it's a gift that lasts forever. And it's the highest art form. It provides healing. It's transformational. And I'll get into that a little bit later. And there are many reasons. I think I think just starting off, the parent has to be invested, be willing to take on the commitment and what that entails and understanding and having the belief that 
this is important. This is something, and often I will tell my parents this, that if you take the attitude of this is something like for in my family, this is something that the Greers do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that we do. Mm-hmm. There are so many benefits, the ability to listen, the ability to observe and imitate, the ability to memorize, the ability to concentrate, the ability to perform, and the ability to be disciplined, the ability to persevere in music also cultivates the abilities of the heart and the sensitivity and and expression. And if you can succeed in music and you could become an expert, you can become an expert in anything Mm -hmm. because it requires discipline. And and of course, that's why parents are drawn to, you know, wanting their kids to be in music. Mm -hmm. So I think just reflecting on that and knowing that this is in the heart of the parent and and that it's something that you want to pursue, that is, that can give you the motivation to help your child. So Mm -hmm. then in terms of practical ways to, you know, what, what is your role? That was your question is what is your role as, as the parent? And I think the role is to, um, another source I use a lot is Jean Ludke. And unfortunately she's no longer writing or offering her newsletters. But one of the things she talks about is the role of the parent is to be, it's parent driven and child centered. So the parent provides the structure of the practice, the routine. I think it's so important to have that same time every day. Our lives are so busy Mm -hmm. and it's consistency over length of time. So Mm, if it's consistent, So let's say it's 10 minutes a day, Uh because often if it's only 10 minutes, that can often turn into more if we just go to the piano. We all know that, like working out, for example, if you you just get yourself to the gym, then you're going to be able to do your workout. Uh So same thing with, so the parent can provide that structure, provide a quiet environment, you know, free of distraction, no TV, no cell phones, games, video games, and provide that very quiet environment and, and have the, the piano hopefully can be in a place that's, that's free of, from distraction mm-hmm. and then setting up a routine. So it's like, if, if you can take the attitude, it's like brushing your teeth yeah. or, you know, like this is something that you do every day. Uh-huh. Dr. Suzuki said that we we practice only on the days we eat. So, <laughs> so you can use that if you can. And it's not a cram. You know, you can't cram for a recital. You've got to have that consistency of practicing on a daily basis. And, mm-hmm. and then you'll be able to achieve so much, um, even, if it's, even if it's a small amount of time. It's amazing how much one can achieve if they're consistently doing, doing that on a daily basis. Uh-huh. And of course, things get in the way. Um, people get sick or you might be out of town. So, you know, that's certainly a consideration. But to set up the structure, the routine, and then maybe there's uh, some parents use incentives some parents have charts that they use and that's kind of dependent again on on what your belief is regarding you know giving like a some kind of a motivational Mm -hmm. incentive Mm -hmm. and that could be something fun like okay if we practice seven days this week then we're uh we're gonna go to the zoo or something like that Mm -hmm. it could be a reward where you're spending time with your child which i think is so important and then in terms of uh, making sure that the that you're having good communication with your child's teacher. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about this a little bit later. It's important that you find the right fit 
of teacher. Mm -hmm. So there are many teachers and every teacher has their own specialty and approach. And you want to find the fit that works best for your child. And if there are any problems, please go to your teacher and Mm -hmm. talk to your teacher. Because I think often we as teachers, you know, we are willing to work with parents, but we need to know what's going on at home. We need Mm -hmm. to know why practice, you know, is practice not getting done because the child is not interested in the type of music that we're assigning? Mm-hmm. You know, can we assign something that would inspire and motivate them? And then talk to your teacher about if you should come to the lessons. So um, for ages 12 and under, I would recommend highly if your child is a young beginner that you're at the lessons so that you can follow through with practice at home. But talk to your teacher about that because some teachers would rather not have the parent present. But usually that teacher will relay the information and you can talk to them perhaps just, you know, briefly after each lesson and check in. Mm-hmm. And I'll see this music school often with my traditional colleagues who are the parent isn't in the lesson, but I'll see them, you know, after the lessons talking to the parent Mm -hmm. and connecting, you know, so that's really important that we keep the triangle because again, we're only seeing that child once per week, you Mm -hmm. know, and hopefully for longer than 30 minutes, but many times it's just 30 minutes. Uh huh. And in addition to some of those really practical tips too, I think if parents, just make it clear that they value what the child is doing with this music, these musical lessons, uh, that really, uh, speaks volumes to kids. I remember taking piano lessons as a kid growing up. I always knew my dad loved listening to me play and he would ask to just, you know, on the weekend, just play Mm -hmm. and he'd just lay on the couch and relax and enjoy listening. So that is, makes such a difference compared to the parent who takes their kids to lessons and drops them off and expects them to practice, but says, don't practice when I'm around. Yes, Pindi. And that's such a great point is that the, the more that you can give them affirmation about what they're doing Mm -hmm. and like your dad listening to your practice, I think that's so important and, and can't be emphasized enough. You know, I think of sports and how our kids, how the children want to play sports because their parents are so interested in mm, sports. Sure. And, you know, they're, they're watching, you know, they're watching TV and watching the sports on TV or they're going to games and it's something that they can all enjoy together. Mm-hmm. So music has to be the same. So if there's a recital, you would go to the recital, bring the family and support the child and make it a community event because so often piano can become very isolating because Mm -hmm. we're just practicing at home by ourselves. So the more we can make a community, that's another practical. Uh, A lot of teachers do have group classes. So if your teacher does offer a group class, get involved and make friends within the studio so that there's, there's, so they've got some connections Mm -hmm. and that they know that they know that they're not the only kid on the block who's taking lessons. You You know, there's other people that are taking lessons and, and they can, uh, make those connections. I know that was really important for me as a kid is, is uh, having my group of um, other piano students that were in the same studio as me. And, you know, I created long lasting friendships. Mm-hmm. Now you had some really good points about practicing time and being consistent with that. 
Do you have any recommendations for parents in terms of how involved they get in the actual practice time in terms of sitting there with a child, practicing with them, or just making sure versus just making sure that it happens? Again, it kind of depends on the age, but mm-hmm. I would say a younger beginner, it's really helpful to have the parent there guiding. And again, just going back to that parent-driven child-centered for a younger child, and that now I'm talking, let's say six, uh, maybe even seven and younger, it's so helpful to have the parent just directing what the order of, you know, so we begin and, and then hope the teacher usually has that outlined in the lesson mm-hmm. notes so that you follow that structure and make sure nothing is, is missed. I mean, that's very helpful to the teacher. And then usually if you set up that structure, let's say with a seven-year-old, then they'll be able to follow that on their own. And then you can periodically, then you might not be sitting with them, but you could check in at the end of the week. And every child is different in this. And I see this in my own studio too. Some kids are much more, they want to be much more independent. Mm-hmm. Others really enjoy having their parent sure. there. I mean, yes. I've got I've got a 15-year-old right now who just still wants her parent to be part of that practice. And I, and that's mm-hmm. what can be so special about this is now you have an opportunity to spend one-on-one time with your child. Sure. And so it can be a really, it can be a special bonding time. Sure. Well, and I think one, something that you've really communicated too is there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach for traditional lessons and the parent's involvement. It, it really does depend on the age of the child, the parenting style, the, the goals of the parent and the student, the personality and the relationship between the parents. I think uh, you gave a lot of really great practical tips and just kind of overarching themes here. One is if the parent is is valuing what the child is doing, kids pick up on that. Yes. You know, just as a parent, you learn pretty quickly that you can say whatever you want, but the kids are going to pick up, uh, you know, they can tell what you really think and feel about something. So, So, you know, that's really key. And uh, secondly, another overarching theme is making sure that practice happens, helping your child instill that habit of of making sure practice happens. Because if it doesn't, then progress doesn't happen. And then nobody's happy with it. And then a final thing that you mentioned too, is keeping the lines of communication open with teachers. And when I think back to when I was growing up in 70s, 80s, I feel like the parenting style was a little bit more homogenous. And now uh, Mm. my kids are now teenager, senior in high school, freshman in high school. And when when I was raising them, I felt like there was a lot more variety in terms of parenting styles. And I have parents who tell me, you're just too nice to my kid. You need to. (laughs) And then I have other parents uh, who say, you're, you're really tough. Like you don't mess around with these kids. So, you know, parents really, they have different expectations and desires and styles. And if you feel like you could use something a little bit different from your teacher, let them know. Cause you know, I'm, yeah. I totally get that parents have different styles and, uh, I'm happy to work with that. So yeah, let your teacher know if if you need a little bit more of a um, firm hand with your child and a little bit of help so that your child can become more independent or if you have a sensitive little flower who needs a more gentle approach. Yes, there certainly are many different parenting styles today. And I think finding what 
works best for you is so important. And just knowing that this is going to be something that will last forever, I think is, is important Mm -hmm. that the parent understands that they can help their child to develop that routine and habit that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Well, I ask all of my guests to give listeners what I call an improv, which is a try this at home, a hack, an experiment that will enhance listeners' lives with music. Do you have a suggestion for listeners today? (laughs) Well, my suggestion is actually through the Suzuki Association of Minnesota. So it is a Suzuki, uh, I guess, resource, and it's called Parents as Partners Online. But it is open to non-members and of course non-Suzuki. And I think there there's just so much that uh, parents that are enrolled in traditional lessons that they can learn from some of the Suzuki concepts and ideas. So I just would encourage people to maybe check this out. And you can go to the Suzuki Association of the Americas website. And it's it's a program online that explores subjects like teens and conversations, performance excellence, and of course, practice. So there's small 10 minutes talks, some are podcasts, some are in print. um, And each is about a 10 minute mini talk. So you could listen to this. And it runs from January 15th through December 15th. So I would recommend that. And then if you're so is that another... a, a program that uh, you subscribe to and pay for and then every week you get some kind of a new yeah. article or video to watch? Yes. Okay. Got it. Yeah, I'll include the link for sure in the show notes to that. How can listeners learn more about your work and connect with you? And also, what are some resources for parents who may want to dig in a little deeper to this topic? Well, there are there are a lot of resources. And I'm going to mention one of the newest books. And that is, uh, it's called Beyond the Music Lessons, Habits of Successful Suzuki Families by Christine E. Goodner. And this would be not just for Suzuki parents, this is for any traditional approach. And I think what's good about this book is that it incorporates many different parenting styles, like we were talking about, many different approaches. And she asks a lot of questions to kind of guide you to a successful uh, way of interacting with your children. And I think an important point that maybe I I didn't make is that it goes back to your relationship with your child and your parenting. And so it's over overarching, not only in music lessons, but just in your own parenting and I and and so this this book not only can help you in your music lessons but just as a parent in role mm-hmm. and it, it it goes beyond just working with music but raising kids in general mm-hmm. and it's a it's a wonderful practical resource and a, and a modern approach. Mm, okay. So I would highly recommend that. She also has another book um, which is Positive Practice: 5 Steps to Help Your Child Develop a Love of Music. And that's by Christine Goodner as well. And then another source is, I mentioned this earlier, but it's Helping Parents Practice Ideas for Making It Easier. And that's by Edmund Sprunger. And then the Suzuki Association of the Americas website. On the website, uh, you don't have to be a member or anything to access this, but there's a parent you can click down to the parent resource and there are articles that are 
you know, free for anybody. And those are, those are helpful, I think. Okay, wonderful. I'll include links to all those in the show notes and also a couple other resources that I know you had um, sent to me. There's a blog that you recommended. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And then also a book, How to Get Your Child to Practice Without Resorting to Violence, which is a fantastic which, uh, book. And yes. we actually interviewed the author on this podcast in episode six. So if parents are interested in digging in a little deeper, go ahead and listen to that as well. Uh, I ask all my guests also to close out our conversation with a musical ending. I call it a coda by sharing a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Do you have anything to tell us about today? Well, I'd like to share just two little stories, hopefully can be inspirational to parents and I guess I forgot to mention in one of those practical ideas is to take your child to musical concerts, events. So important. And, Uh. you know, like I said, we'll go to a sporting event. We'll go to the Vikings game here in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we here where we live, we've got a wonder, we've got two wonderful orchestras. I mean, world-class orchestras that we can, and, and, and I'm sure in, in many other places. And if, if you, wanted to go to the your local college also you could go to hear concerts there um, so there's just a lot of opportunities I think and if we can bring that so part of my coda is to talk about how music transformed my life and I want to share just two I'll try to make them brief stories and the first is uh, my mom was a violinist so music was a big part of our life and she often took us to concerts in fact a lot and sometimes I hated going to these concerts (laughs) um we got to hear Pincus Zuckerman with the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra and and I don't think I appreciated that much as much as I would have appreciated it today anyway when I was about six she took the family to a solo piano concert And I remember this vividly. I remember sitting in the audience and looking at the, you know, concert grand piano on stage and watching the performer walk out, take a bow and proceed through the performance and very virtuosic. And I remembered a lot of this, which is kind of surprising because I don't have a lot of memories from my youth. And, And at one point, I remember having this kind of feeling rush over me that I am going to do this. I mean, I remember just focusing in on this concert pianist and thinking, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And, and it is, here we are today, and it, it is what I've devoted my life to. Um, so that that was a really important event in my life. And I also took my mom being the violinist. Um, I actually started with violin. And after that concert, I asked for piano lessons. <laughs> and so I took piano lessons. So my second and you're how story. And you were at that time? I was, I started lessons about seven. So I started piano. piano. Okay. I had started violin before that. Okay. And took violin up until about sixth grade. Okay. Anyway, so I continued with piano. And the first teacher I had wasn't the best teacher. She was kind of the neighborhood teacher. And anyway, eventually I kind of grew out of that experience. And, and I quit lessons, quit mm-hmm. both piano and violin. But I continued to just experiment on my own and improvise. And I would always be at the piano just playing something. And I loved the piano. And so at one point I asked my mom to... I said, I would really like lessons. And I think that's important for parents to understand. Like if if your child is asking for music lessons, 
and maybe you don't know a lot about music, you know, find out and then and capitalize on that right mm-hmm. away and mm-hmm. find them a good teacher and get them involved in it because I mean, that is sort of your golden opportunity because my mom at that time then found me the best teacher in my hometown. And sh- this teacher just took me where I needed to go. And then part of what happened then in my life was I was, I, so I started taking with uh, Marianne Swalham and she is now retired and we still maintain just a wonderful relationship. She's a very good friend. And uh, she, she just gave me such, she, she was able to take me right where I was and then challenge me with very, um, with more challenging repertoire. And uh, it was so important in my life because, you know, I was, I, she would have recitals, monthly recitals, and I was always playing on these recitals. And and at, at about that same time, that was my adolescence and junior high and going into high school. And I'd gone through kind of a, I'd fallen into the wrong crowd at school and, you know, gotten into the crowd of those kids that were doing things like smoking and drinking and other bad things in life. And And I had fallen into that crowd. And luckily, because of music, I mean, it, it saved, it literally saved my life. I don't know, Mm. you know, what would have happened if, if I hadn't been involved in music, because often when my friends were off doing, you know, whatever they were doing, I had a recital. Mm. So I would go to the recital and I would perform because music was so important to me. And then I made a choice, you know, around my high school years that, I wanted to follow and pursue music and I, I went down a different path. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't go down the destructive path that some youth do today. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful that I had music. So for parents, just know that this is such a huge gift and it can be, I mean, there's so many stories and I know in your podcast, you know, with the music therapy was so touching that, mm-hmm. you know, music can really play such an important role in our lives. And, and for me, I think it's, I just don't even know if I would be here, hmm. frankly. You know, if I hadn't, if I hadn't discovered music and hadn't had a, a good teacher, and you know, my mom who gave you know me such such support along the way. Thank you so much to Suzanne for sharing her expertise and her story with us today. As Suzanne mentioned, she teaches at McPhail Center for Music in Minneapolis. If you live near the Twin Cities and are looking for some high-quality live music, McPhail does have regular concerts that are open to the public. One is coming up this Saturday, February 8th, another on February 13th. I'll include details in the show notes as well as the link to view future events at mcphail.org slash events. New this week, I am broadening my social media horizons in this new year, new decade. I'm getting with the times and joining the Twitter party. I have had an account for several years that I have done absolutely nothing with until now. I am actively tweeting at Music Enhances. You can follow me there. And as always, you can also connect with me via LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Links are on my website and in the show notes located at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 28. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be back next Tuesday with one of the UK's top performing social enterprises. It uses music tech to impact those with mental health challenges and has independently assessed research proving incredible client results, cost savings, and social return on investment. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.